Not all men are paid equally. This couldn't be truer when it comes to the case of Monty Norman, John Barry, and Vic Flick, who collaborated in 1962 to make the theme song for one of the longest-running film franchises of all time. Norman has made over 485,000 pounds off of royalties for the song from the years of 1976 to 1999 alone, where Barry was paid an upfront fee of 250 pounds and Flick a meager six pounds. This wealth disparity comes largely due to the writing credit for the song, which has been a source of contention for years. The law has sided with Norman twice when Barry, who arranged the music, attempted to win the rights to the song in court. Norman's legal victories also include two libel suits against publications that attributed the song to Barry. Further muddying the waters of who wrote the music is the song's striking resemblance to Henry Mancini's Softly. Regardless of who wrote what, nobody can take credit away from Flick, who plays the famous guitar riff in this piece, described by Norman as a dum diddy dum dum rhythm. Six pounds well spent. No amount of money, legal disputes, or dark deeds in the shadows can change the fact that this theme song has had a massive impact on the franchise it represents and pop culture as a whole. That's right, we're talking Monty Norman's James Bond theme on me. Cover me. We sure are. However, I mm-hmm. want to add a few things to to the intro. Uh, yes. Not as you know, as as a as a uh, an appendix, addendum, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I I looked up with an inflation calculator how much six pounds would be now. Sure. And it didn't it didn't seem right. Like it seemed like it could have couldn't have been possible because I I took I said in 1962 to um like British pounds to today and then converted that into Canadian dollars and it was like $220 which seems impossible seems like way too much yeah. inflation like for that much time I don't know maybe there's some fucked up stuff going on with the pound that I don't know about I don't know shit but I'm, I'm not an economist I don't that know was shit. what I got out of my just like online thing there I looked in two calculators one said it was $186 and one said it was $220 so that's weird it is weird. That's a lot for just what, like fifty years difference. Yeah, it seems like. I mean, I I don't know how that is in terms of like musicians' fees, but it seems like a huge change, which is a little mm-hmm. strange. Um, and the other thing, I listened to that other song. Um, yeah, softly. It doesn't sound that much like it. Like <laughs> it's the uh, it's like the chord progression that. Dun- I know. I don't think it sounds that much like it. Yeah, that's you know, it's we talked so many times about right. how. Uh, like, like, what was it last week with, uh, if you could read my mind, where, it, like, yeah, sometimes there's musical similarities, and it's just like, well, do I sue them? Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, except in that one, they used the melody. Like, they used mm. the same yeah, that melody. Was a little more it was blatant. the same. This is, like, a kind of similar chord progression, but seriously, it's not the same chord progression, A, and B. It's not... I don't know. I, I guess it is unique enough because it kind of can identify a Bond song now. Mm-hmm. But like at the time, it wasn't probably that unique. I don't know. I can't make yeah, that was, call really. But like it's just they had. I don't think it's that similar. Basically, it's just like a suspense building chord progression. Da, na, na, na. It's 
Yeah, well, anyway. You're in a fucking haunted house. Anyway, that's right. It's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, compares them against one another to find out which one is shaken, not stirred. I'm your host, as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my secret co-host. Name flies in, Alex Mildenberger. It's not a visual (laughs) medium, but (laughs) but we try. (laughs) We tried our best. Um, Alex, my alternative titles for this month were going to be Cover MI5 or Bond for Me. Uh, well, we may have a chance if we do more Bond songs. We And we may just do that. Um, but my problem is if we do Bond for Me, then things are going to be weird next month when we do Bonnie Fear Me. Yeah, that's going to be tough. What? Just... <laughs> <laughs> I am, of course, kidding. I couldn't even <laughs> list off a Bonnie Vare song off the top of my head. Nope, me neither. So, Alex, we are we're talking about the the original James Bond theme because uh, Billie Eilish just released the the new Bond song for uh, whatever whatever the new Bond film is called. What is it called? Um, no time to die. No time to die. And this is an example of a Bond song that shares its name with the film. Which film, doesn't right. always happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like it happens sometimes. It doesn't happen other times. I don't know if they alternate. I don't think they do. No, because definitely the last, like this one, and I think Skyfall of the modern of the modern um, Daniel Craig Bonds, I think are the only ones that actually um, follow the name. Yeah, because uh, between that, you've got Writings on the Wall uh, by Sam Smith, which mm-hmm. was not the name of whatever came after Skyfall. Spectre, I believe, is the one that comes That's after. That's the one. Um, was Another Way to Die one of the films? Uh, yeah, that was for Quantum of Solace. Okay, that's like the only James Bond movie I've seen from start to finish. Yeah, honestly, that's similar to my background with James Bond. I've only seen Casino Royale. Like, I don't really care about James Bond movies that much, but Bond songs, I love them. I don't know why. Yeah. They've got it. Well, it's just <laughs> they're like, good fun. They pick such a broad selection of artists. Like, it's always a popular artist for sure, except for maybe like some of the earlier years, like where they get John Barry back on a couple of times. Right. And like, Shirley do Bassey composing. does like three or f- I think three. Mm-hmm. But like, and I think she was very popular though, but. She's still, like, they kept calling her back. Yeah, but you get, like, Paul McCartney, um, like, Louis Armstrong, fucking Jack White and ladies, Duran Duran. Um, it's AHA, fucking Tina Turner, Sheryl Crow, garbage. Like, they go all over the place with their choices. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of interesting, interesting artists that, I don't know, I, I can't really comment on their popularity at the time necessarily, but... It it seems like a, a wide selection, and you kind of get it like over the years, right? So there's a lot. If you go through all the Bond songs, it's not like an album. It's like it's just singles from almost sixty years now of songs of music. Yeah, and it's wild because even the the James Bond theme we're talking about today, which is just called that James Bond theme, it's they do try to alter it between uh, movies to sort of fit the musical stylings of whatever year the the movie comes out in, right? But we're just talking about the original, which featured in Dr. No. We are. And honestly, like, for the story behind it, which is, like, they just paid a guy. What was it? Um, 
Monty Norman to write it, and supposedly they didn't like his arrangement of it that much. So like they kept the song, but they got John Barry to rearrange it. And that's mm. kind of so it's sort of collaborative ultimately, even though Monty Norman ends up getting the credit. But John Barry was involved in the process and like making it what it is, and it ends up having this like distinctive personality um that flowed through to a lot of if not all of not really all of but a lot of the future bond songs and just like has a particular feeling about it that gets reused over the years mm-hmm. and not only to just bond songs but it stems out to all like anybody who does like a spy movie parody um generally they pull on music that pulls from this original theme yeah absolutely like, like the uh, like the Archer series, like the their opening song is very much uh, uh, based off of the James Bond theme. Um, I'm pretty sure Austin Powers does some fucking plays on the James Bond theme. Like it's yeah, it's even, integral to like spy comedy. Even like if you listen to some of the some of the guitar in some of the tracks in Metal Gear Solid Three, I can't remember mm-hmm. which song it is, but it's like one of the sneaking. I think it's like when you get caught and you're you're high hidden and they're looking for you song like the the guitar in that it's it's one of the tracks like sounds really like this kind of the guitar in this song which we will talk about i'm sure very soon very soon yeah and then and like yeah even the the theme song for uh the snake eater is like directly uh, like inspired by james bond kind yeah, of yeah it's like singles it's a it really is a bond song like they tried to make a bond song in that way of like it's kind of got this like general poppy stuff and then they get weirdly specific about some of the contents of the yeah, movie or like theory, being like... a spy <laughs> you're like that's weirdly specific and like n- like it should be a really general pop song and then suddenly they're like and you're sneaking uh, and you're like what you're like, what the fuck? Grab like your some PB7 day you'll feed tree frog. You're like, slap what? that guy with a golden gun. Yeah, so basically <laughs> most of my exposure to James Bond has was Goldeneye on the N64. Right. I don't even have that level of exposure. I never had that for the N64. Oh, I for sure did. It was like that until someone got an Xbox, and then right. uh, Halo happened, and I kind of dropped out because I wasn't good at it. Oh yeah, that's fair. I was yeah, I was real bad at first person shooters for a long time and now I'm just like okay at them. Yeah, I guess I was also bad at Goldeneye, but it didn't seem so cuz so like janky just cuz it's old. Yeah. That like it didn't feel like such a bad thing. Yeah. My crowning achievement was uh we had a uh, I killed a guy by slapping him and he had a golden gun. That was nice. That was, that was a good that was a good time. Anyway, that's yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll talk about that some more later. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know why that would come up in this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about the lyrics first. Yeah. Okay. Good. Now let's talk about Sweet. the instrumentation. <laughs> good job. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so the instrumentation. Um, so first, there's that that chord progression, um, and it's just three chords, and they just play um, them up and down. Yeah. And you can you can honestly like emulate it by just playing three notes on like if a piano, just three notes that are beside each other. The ones that it uses are B, C, and uh C sharp. Uh okay. and then it, yeah. it holds uh 
uh, chord under that uh, just so it starts with an E minor chord. And I don't know if this is necessarily what they would call it, but it plus starts E minor and then C. It just moves the top note of the E minor, which is a B, up to a C. And then it moves that C up to C sharp and then down again. So they're playing an E minor and then a C and then a C. I, I think C sharp diminished is what I would call it. There's probably other names for it because that's how chords work. Right. But that's the simplest thing I could think of. Um, and it's an interesting chord progression because to me, the way it feels is like it's going between these like minor sounds and a C chord, which is like pretty like. Yeah, it's like the major of majors. (laughs) It's like, yeah, the major of major chords. And like, it's much more restful to me anyway. So when I hear this, it's like some tension and then like relax and then tension and then relax. Like it goes back and forth. Um, Yeah, it really gives that idea of sneaking, right? Yeah, of like, like, did something happen? No, okay, we're all right. And like, well, it's over. And like, you constantly have to check around you and like confirm that you're still hidden or whatever so it's yeah really you're, you're constantly alert yeah. but it's but it, there, there's technically like when you're sneaking nothing really happening at least yeah. if you're doing it right exactly <laughs> but like but emotionally you, there's a lot happening yeah you have to always be careful and always be um watching so. yeah so it is like low tension with like that kind of rest in between and that's yeah yeah that's that's just like good simple music yeah and it's so simple it's three chords like yeah yeah it's it's uh it's really impressive um and then also at at the start um they come in with the um there's some bass but it's really just kind of outlining the same thing um Mm -hmm. and then the symbols which kind of add to that tension because they're happening very fast you get these like yeah. triplet symbols and that's kind of well to me yeah like still creating that constant sense of tension without like it breaking out necessarily yeah because it's like they let it ring out but they're hitting it quietly enough that it's not you know it's not a crash or anything it's... yeah yeah so yeah it's a good and i that's probably part of the arrangement honestly that's probably john barry but i don't know i don't know it is the john barry orchestra or whatever yeah because they brought john barry it's interesting because they use this theme song again like a lot in the movie after dr no right and then john barry was just kind of like what the fuck like because he you know got paid 250 (laughs) pounds and they're just like using the shit out of it and they're like listen we're not gonna pay you for the song like any more than we already did but Future James Bond movies will come talk to you. And so he's, uh, I believe he's composed 11 Bond films. He's done the soundtracks for. Which is pretty good. There's like 20 some. What was the number? 25, I believe. Right. Yes. I feel like I saw that somewhere. Bond 25. I remember hearing that. I think 25 is the newest one. Is that true? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Anyway. uh, So, and they also have. The there's like yeah uh, I mentioned it's like a low brass bass uh, I don't know if it's a tuba or a baritone or what I don't really know the difference hmm. that well and it's accenting the two and the four which is kind of a jazz thing yeah so that's right. the sort so of jazz bump, part of it bump. yeah yeah and it's really just bop 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 like it's you know just 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 a bass line pretty simple yeah 
And it's uh, like even the drums on this, that cymbal usage is pretty reminiscent of jazz. It's not full on jazz like we'll see in a lot of other versions we talk about today, but it is yeah. sort of in that realm. Yeah, there's that jazz. And that's my understanding of like the arrangement difference was they kind of didn't like it that much. And then they called in John Barry and he like kind of jazzed it up. And that adds a lot. I'm really like I'm team John Barry. I think it was collaborative. I feel yeah, like they should I both have a, a hand in this uh in these rights but i don't know i wasn't there yeah and i'm sure john barry is doing fine now he's done 11 bond films like yeah he 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 probably made out better in the end mm-hmm but because yeah i haven't heard fuck all that monty norman has done since then <laughs> but i also want to be very careful of what we say about monty norman because he'll sue uh, us one yeah he's won two libel <laughs> suits i really don't want to get on the end no, of that he's um i feel like i was i feel like maybe i don't know i've only read the the Wikipedia so, article. So for the record, to be clear, I w- we acknowledge yeah. here on Cover Me that Monty this Norman... This song was composed by Monty Norman, 100%. Yeah, fucking wrote it. But we believe, it is our opinion, that John Barry should have a, a, a higher listing in the credits. Yeah, I guess it's tough. I don't know exactly how credits are assigned, but I do think John Barry was a big part of what made this song what it was. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. I don't know if we actually need to cover our asses legally, but we're done. We did. We've done that. I mean, we've done it now. And so, so <laughs> like, great. Years down the line, if the Norman <laughs> estate case. comes after us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who listens to this. Maybe he already listens to it. Yeah, maybe he's hearing me right now. <laughs> that would be... That would be fucked. So the, uh, To talk more about the arrangement of this before we move into the past the intro... It sure. uh, was recorded on the 21st of June, 1962, using five saxophones, nine brass instruments, a solo guitar, and a rhythm section, which I imagine is your bass and drum. Yes, there are. It becomes more obvious later on when there's more drums. But I think there's like a little bit of timpani or something. Okay, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll have to go through my notes. <laughs> so then we get into the, the what's described as the dum dum dee dee dum 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 dee dum 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 dee dee dum dum yeah so this is a cool guitar part uh played by a guy named vic flick as mentioned uh which is a rad name which is such a cool name and like i looked up to see if it was a stage name it's like born victor flick i'm like oh yeah fuck it's real so that's vic flick he was like a session musician um played in a lot of stuff played in tv stuff and movie stuff uh he mm-hmm. played on a world without love which is a song by peter and gordon i think he played on the album uh okay. that only me i i recognize it because it's on one of my old like hits records mm. uh, yeah 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 which is always fun to come across i mean obviously they were hits because they're on a hit record but just like don't hear about them that often so it's nice. Right. Uh, he also played on the soundtrack to Help, the Beatles okay. movie, which was supposed to be Beatles kind movie. of James Bond inspired. Mm, I haven't okay. really listened to the soundtrack to Help. Um, I've only listened to the, the yeah, Help. I've listened to the, the album, song Help. Help. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the song, yeah. It's on there. Yeah. Um, and he played this on a Essex, no, Clifford Essex Paragon from 1939. 
Yeah. Which um, plugged into a, a Fender Vibrolux amplifier. Yeah, so it seems really old, but it wasn't as old at the time, obviously. Um, and if the guitar itself, it's an electric guitar, and it's sort of it's like a hollow body type guitar. It's it looks it's got the like dreadnought shape that you'd expect from an acoustic guitar, but it's right, and it's got I think it's hollow in there, um, which is and and the actual guitar part is like kind of surf rocky like this dark mm-hmm. surf rock sound which is very yeah. cool it's definitely like yeah it's definitely got that surf rock vibe but with an edge and that's what uh, i guess what what this song really thrives on is somehow allowing surf rock and like big band jazz to exist side by side in the same song yeah which i don't know it works so well together i'm so impressed because it doesn't seem like it should Mm-hmm. But I don't know. And and yeah, I don't even know if surf rock is the best way to describe it. Like, or did they just have a similar like influence, like ancestor? Because what what what's the time frame on surf rock? Like is what like, it would have been around this time, I guess. Yeah, late fifties, early sixties as yeah. I imagine when I it was that's emerging. Believable. Anyway, it's a really cool sound on that guitar. Yeah, and so that guitar comes in, and then we get uh, another brass instrument doing some in the back. Yeah, so that's sort of like, it's sort of, um, because that's going to come back later. That's part of like the main melody. Yeah, that that, phrase is the precursor to the big brass. Exactly. It sort of just like teases that like that you're going to get later, but it's in the background. So like, it's not, it's not hasn't been brought forward yet very yeah kind of cool yeah that you get it's that all about foreshadowing. this like, tension build yeah with a little foreshadowing yeah i guess that's uh, another little connection that we might try to make that like if this is about sneaking around and you know being a spy you have to constantly be like predicting what might happen next so that's like running mm-hmm. through his head kind of in the background and then suddenly buona dana Yeah, well, it's interesting because in the original uh, first few films, the song was exclusively used to like in the title credits and to like introduce James Bond, like when he appeared in a scene. The it is the James Bond theme for not just James Bond the movies, but James Bond the character. The character, but uh, after uh, let me see, after Goldfinger, Goldfinger was the first use of the theme for an action segment, and that trend would continue in the films after that one. I mean, I bet it was an action segment that involved James Bond. So. Yeah, 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 presumably, yeah. There you but go. But it's just like when, when, like, when we get to this big, big band break where it's... Bam, 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 bam. Yeah, it gets pretty big. Like, yeah, it gets huge. I just can't imagine, like, I, I should have watched Dr. No or something and seen how they used it because I just can't imagine. But it's just the opening credit going. sequence. And I think it plays... I don't know. You know the, the like, classic shot of like James Bond walks in and you're staring at him down a gun barrel. Like you see the right. rifling on the gun barrel. Yeah. And then he turns and then just like shoots at the screen and then the blood drips down. And then that's the like, bana, bana. I think right. that's where it was used. I don't know if that was where it was first used, but like that started pretty early on. Yeah. I think that was the, like the original, but it also says that it like, it was used to introduce the character, but that might just be what they're talking about is that scene. Yeah, we really should have watched this movie. 
I know weird fucking hacks. I just <laughs> I've, I've, been, I've been on a fucking weird schedule all week. Yeah, you got new and, stuff going on. Yeah, I got fucking stuff going on. So you know, fuck it. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode or something that nobody will listen to. <laughs> Sweet. How's the last bonus episode going? Um, uh, that one is I don't know. Probably not well listened to. Probably not well received. I kind of forgot about it. In all honesty. Fair enough. Um, so that that part comes in pretty soon after uh, after the guitar mm-hmm. does this thing. Then it goes dana dana. So that's a neat um couple notes it starts mm-hmm. it starts the same like with the same bottom two notes as the chords we've been playing in the harmony um with just like e to g which is just a minor third jump and then it jumps up from the e it jumps up an augmented fifth um or i guess you might call it a minor sixth i i feel i'm gonna say augmented fifth because it sounds cool um and that's a tritone which is like kind of a restless uh interval it's like a yeah what is it my book i got this book and it refers to a tritone as hang on i'm flipping to the page it's a real book a soft consonants i think it's the sort of thing that like depending on the context can be very uh dissonant uh, but it only holds there for a second and then drops down to the fifth, and the fifth is very consonant interval. I guess it's not playing mm-hmm. them at the same time. I'm just trying to do music theory things, but I don't know that much about music theory. So anyway, and then you get that like, and then down to five. And then it kind of like restless for a second and then like resolves very suddenly. It's not really resolution, but anyway. So I just said a lot of things. It did say a lot of things. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it resolves. I can't tell you that, but it does. Like it's a. It's a big phrase. They use. Yeah, it's a pretty big jump. And then they build on that again. They throw more horns and shit, and they say we're gonna do that big fucking noise again. Yeah, they do that a couple times. And I mean, it manages to be both like big and like, but also seem kind of classy. It's both brash and classy, which I think is uh, sort of definitive of James Bond's character. It really is, yeah. Especially the early ones where you watch them, you're like, ooh, Bond, we can't do that anymore. You probably shouldn't have yeah. done it back then. <laughs> then. <laughs> but hey, it's a movie now. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, yes. So the next section... Um, Yeah, so that plays a couple times, and then it moves into the next section to like. I've called that one a bridge section. I don't know if it's a bridge exactly. Yeah, it's hard to say for sure. Yeah, we'll it's kind it of a bridge. more like this one feels like a show tune almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you could get like a, a what's the thing? The can can? Like chorus line? The chorus yeah. line. Um to this like the drums change too because up to this point they've been playing those like triplets mm-hmm. and now they change to these like swung which is the same kind of timing but now they hold that first one um and you get this like swung um rhythm mm-hmm. excuse me um so it, it's a, it feels less like hectic because you're playing yeah. fewer notes, basically. Yeah, and then that leads to the big uh, 
the big horn hits right at the end there. Yeah, it's like huge. It's these like octaves, so they play like really, I think probably across several octaves because it's several horns. Um, mm-hmm. Playing that like dan it, and then jump down to the lower octave to play the dan it. Right. So that's yeah, that's like really big. Yeah, and then from there we kind of go to a, a repeat of the guitar riff segment, which then leads us into the sort of the closing bit. Yeah, and then also for that guitar riff, it's kind of like a little more, a little more going on. Just because there's like a trumpet doing, they have like the muting things on the trumpets to make them go like right. wah, 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 kind of. So like it does right. this like wah, wah, like in the background. Yeah, getting that brass cutting through. Yeah, you can hear that. Yeah, and I then mean, sorry. Yeah, about the I'm just trying to get the marker here about. 134 we get the final the big horn lead up to the like mysterious guitar riff finish uh the final the spy um chord i saw it called one time uh it's Mm. a cool name um yeah so they do they do the jump the but they do it several times just like jumping up octaves yeah so so it's like one horn going on top of the other so which is a good way to like build up to your finale. Mm-hmm. And then end it mysteriously is this wild chord that, as far as I can tell, it's basically, I don't know exactly what you call it. I saw a lot of different names for it, but I don't really know those chords that well. It's an right. E minor chord and then um, just played as an E minor chord. Um, mm-hmm. And then on top of it, you play a. D chord and it's just like very mysterious very restless of like hmm, like what's gonna happen Dang. next you know yeah tune, there's a lot of things tune in you, next can, time. you can put in that moment yeah tune in next time where like bond gets fucking knocked out or something at the end of the action scene so that's a that's a pretty cool chord i had to like look it up yeah. unfortunately there's a youtube video where a guy showed how um, Vic Flick played it, actually. You can see him play it in, like, a live performance. Okay. So it's pretty obvious what he's playing. Yeah, that's useful. Yeah. So it's a cool chord. I assume he played the same thing uh, in the original. I I, I, I would assume so, too. Seems reasonable. Um. Yeah. So that's the original song, Alex. It's a. It's a classic. It's a classic. It really is. Um, it's got like this really distinctive feel about it. Um, it seems to serve the purpose of, or seems to serve the film pretty well, and the character, and sort of the atmosphere. Uh, quite impressively. Mm-hmm. So, and it's endured. For quite a while, considering that, like, I mean, how many random credits themes can you think of that aren't, like, popular music that existed before the movie? It's not very many. Not very many songs that were composed in this context have the longevity of this piece. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's impressive. 
That is impressive. I mean, not Theory. many movie series have the longevity of James Bond, so it's that's true. probably part of it. But you know, but it's, yeah, a, like, it's a well-made the piece style of that this was made in. They were just like, "Wow, well, we need a fucking theme song for the movie." Here, here's six bucks for you, guitarist. They give you two hundred fifty. Like it's you know, it's <laughs> like a pretty small beans overall compared yeah. to what the end result was. Making it fast, making it. I don't know, cheap, I guess. Making it on the cheap. But you know what it is? They they did get a big, like, brassy movie version of this song. And if we if we, I can use this to segue into our first cover, which I believe sounds like a made-for-TV version of the theme song. <laughs> you talking about Johnny and the Hurricanes? Johnny and the Hurricanes in 1963, the American instrumental rock band from Toledo. Yeah, so apparently they're known for adapting traditional melodies into rock songs. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Wikipedia page very specifically mentioned that like they were known for a- using a rock beat, which I'm sure right. in 1962 was a bigger deal, but <laughs> yeah. now means fuck all. I know, it's like they do 4-4 four, four timing. <laughs> Great. That was like my first note is like, oh yeah, the drums are more simple on this. Yes, absolutely. They don't have those triplets. Yeah, it's, it's like less straight. dynamic. And that's kind of their thing. Now it seems like they made it less interesting. Mm-hmm. At the time, I guess it's not so much that it's less interesting as it's like we added rock and roll attitude or whatever. But mm-hmm. that's really, really lost on me. And I assume yeah, you it, too. It's Yeah, it's just like it just sounds like a a, a lower budget version of the of the original song like those horns they because they still get the horn sting that comes in and that is uh i heard like a, a message noise yeah that was i think john's doing a thing uh just in uh discord okay okay i'll allow it um yeah so they, they got those horns those bang, doing the the stings on the the two and four yeah it's very but they like, sound buzzy. like they're from the batman tv show you they know do. i can just hear that and i can hear like you know like the 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 fucking sound effects coming up on the screen like boffo wham shazooey and you're like yeah yeah i think batman. those are low like saxophones or something yeah they seem to be Playing those, uh, and then it. So they start yeah. with that, and it's kind of different. Like they're not even really doing a chord progression; they're just doing the saxophones and the, um, those drums, and then, yeah. and then they start to play the like guitar riff, or no, sorry, not even. No, it's, it's the, the, it's the, the trumpet organ riff, comes rather. in. Yeah, and it's like a interesting sounding organ. It's very like flutey. Mm-hmm. Um, so i think it's a cool tone on the organ i'll give them that yeah for sure um i won't give them much else don't worry uh yeah i question but... even the playing of that organ riff it sounds a little sloppy to me yeah and that's i guess always the i don't know if it's sloppy or if they're just changing up the timing to fit with their style or something mm-hmm. uh but it does kind of give off that uh um Impression, yeah, impression a little bit yeah. just because 
it's different. And there are some later on that change it that seem more deliberate. Yeah, that you can kind of tell and it it seems consistent. But this has that sound of like a guy trying to find the keys, you know? <laughs> Which, I mean, Johnny and the Hurricanes. One of the factoids about Johnny and the Hurricanes was that at one point the Beatles opened for them. Like before wow. they were anything. So that's kind of cool. But I think it was just like they existed at the right time that the Beatles mm-hmm. weren't popular yet. And Good in the time right to place. be alive. Yeah. <laughs> as a shitty band (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) before the beatles just like dirty dancing that's in the beginning of dirty dancing don't worry about it is that what it says at the beginning of dirty dancing before the before the beatles before the beatles before the beatles Beatles. (laughs) uh and then says something about like the summer everyone called me baby and i didn't seem to mind now I was like, so she's like sleeping with everybody. That's not what she means. Literally, literally, everyone's calling her baby, like as a nickname. But it took right. me like half the movie to pick up on that. And like, remember, she said, "I was like, why the fuck is everyone calling her baby?" I thought the guy was being a douchebag. Now the guy was a douchebag. Mm. Anyway, but he's also just calling. Her I'm baby. getting off topic. I need. I don't need to talk about Dirty Dancing. Um. Yeah. Wait. Did, wait. Did, did somebody put baby in a corner in that film? Absolutely. No. Nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> they tried. Okay. <laughs> Good. So, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Fuck. Um. Yeah, Alex. Tell me more about uh, Johnny and the Hurricanes. Oh, I don't know anything else about Johnny and the Hurricanes. I'll tell you more um, about the song yeah. though. Yeah. Uh, I think. Then. Then the guitar part comes in, but first yeah. they play that for a bit. And then now their guitar tone does try to emulate the original, which sure. is almost unfortunate. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, But I don't know. I feel like they changed up. I guess their rock and roll thing. So they're like, well, we don't need to change the surf guitar. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we got this. Um. They do change it a bit, though, as well. Like, there's a couple notes that'll, like, go up instead of down kind of thing. Right. Uh, But really, the, like, like, kind of the important part, I would say, Mm -hmm. is intact. Yeah. It's, like, it's recognizable as the original. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. We had a guitar solo around the, like, 115 mark. And it's like, it's fine. Sorry, there's another part I'm trying to hear that I wrote down. Mm-hmm. Yes, there it is. Yeah, it's like a surf rock guitar solo. Yeah. Um, it's like in my head, I'm picturing like Batman like fighting the Joker on a surfboard. Yeah, this is so, you know? this is this is very, I didn't think of Batman, but now that's all I can think of. <laughs> It's like it's yeah, it's, it's so like 1960, 1964, I think is when that came out. Like Adam West yeah. Batman, which is excellent and should be watched. The movie, at least. Oh yeah, it's I haven't a, seen the yeah. series, but I assume it's more of the same. Yeah, it's a campy delight. It's a wonderful time. Um, one other thing they do is while they're playing the like the organ part, um, there's a guitar just kind of strumming the. Every once in a while. Bing. And I think yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, spy yeah. chord. Like, they just pepper it throughout. Okay, yeah. yeah but it's kind of just played a similar. lot in the middle. Um, or at least something similar. It sounds like it's it's kind of a tricky chord to get, you know? Mm-hmm. So if they, I wouldn't be surprised if they were off a bit. 
Yeah, if it's just an approximation uh, of it. Yeah. Um, and then they just sort of go through it again. Like, yeah, they just kind of like do the, the, the whole set twice. Yeah. So. And then fade out. They play all the parts. They don't really do the octaves, do they? I don't no. think they do. They don't do like a big finale, really. Well, yeah, yeah, they fade out, which mm-hmm. sucks, I think. I think it sucks, and the problem that's where the the using the organ is a problem because those horns are really supposed to fucking bring up the energy, right? So when you give that part to this fucking spooky organ, it you can't do that. Yeah, I mean, fade outs can be fine. I I don't really like them conceptually in a lot of cases, but they're usually not a problem. I feel like mm-hmm. compared to the original, which ends so strongly of this like, and then like mysteriously. To yeah, just it's like, like it's... fade out, I don't know. It doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. It's they got because in the original theme, you can you can loop that song for longer than the the runtime of one minute and forty seconds or whatever, right? Yeah. Because like the parts, you can kind of just interchange from A to B to C, like again and again until you fill out whatever scene you need to fill. But yeah, being able to build a, a start and finish point in it that like makes a whole piece is it's awesome. Yeah, and Rather actually, than just being like, and turn the music down, like it's, you know, <laughs> it actually did kind of remind me of, um, like video game battle music. Like we talked about Final Fantasy IV battle theme. Mm-hmm. It kind of like structurally very similar. Like it kind of has yeah. like a bombastic part at the end, and then it brings it down, and then like can be looped. So like, yeah, hundred percent. It's been around conceptually for a while. Yeah, it's I've I, I've never really thought about looping music outside of a of a video game context. I guess. Yeah, yeah I think usually neat. you don't want to do it too much in movies because it kind of gets mm. obvious because you can time it out right. Like you can write yeah. the song to be longer, um, but this song does get used in video games, so you know. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I do. Maybe. Um, should we move forward to the year 1965 to talk about Glenn Campbell? Yeah, let's talk about Glenn Campbell. We've talked about him before. He's a member of the Wrecking Crew. Uh, this one's pretty boring, to be honest. I just kind of threw it on because it's Glenn Campbell and he's a bigish yeah, deal. Yeah, he's a recognizable name. Um, in like country music mostly. This is called uh the album. I like the album name. It's called The Big Bad Rock Guitar of Glenn Campbell from nineteen sixty five. Uh he covers Ticket to Ride and he covers Mr. Tambourine Man. He also has a song called The Lone Arranger, which I'm assuming okay. is a pun and it's Lone Ranger yeah. song, but I don't know Lone Ranger that well. Me neither. He's also got a song called Beef Jerky. So that's fun. So yeah, I, I assume they're all covers. So it's mm. someone else's song called Beef Jerky. Beef Jerky. Uh, anyway, uh, and the album artwork's kind of neat. It's just like, except for his face. Like, ignore his face and just look at the people playing guitar. Looks oh, kind of yeah. cool. It's all red and, like, Yeah, if you flashy. check out his, like, weird face in the corner. His, there, like, and... superimposed smile and cleft chin. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty cool look going on there. Yeah. Some neat artwork. Um, but yeah, he's a famous guy. His version is pretty similar to the original. Um, 
opens with that progression. Uh, the drums come in right away. It is yeah different from the last two. It's like a one-two kind of beat. Yeah, it's like kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then the brass like comes right in with then it and then like right into the guitar. So like they're playing around with the arrangement a little bit. Yeah, Not that's something we'll see a lot much. as we move yeah. forward. Is opening with the yeah, opening with something like fast, which none of these are like that new. So I wouldn't blame on like Spotify or anything like that. The like mm-hmm. you need to make people listen to thirty seconds or whatever. Right. Yeah, you need to hook them in. Uh, so it's not that, but you know, yeah, start off with something punchy. Um, and then, and then comes in the big bad rock guitar of Glenn Campbell. That's right. And he plays the, but he only plays it once. Yeah. And then it goes right back to just the like harmony, the chords. So that's that's like his, that's like his arrangement. Um, and then the trumpets play, but it, like, holds on the end. I don't know. I don't know how interesting this is. Like, it's different. Yeah, it's different. It's more uh, more big bandy in the uh, in your sort of A section, like, where the guitar is present than the original, which has a more subdued vibe. Yeah. Although, there was a, there's one part I thought was kind of cool. Um, it's about halfway through. Um, they it's do like the... Min-in. What? Like is it like a minute in where they kind of one eleven? It's just like the rhythm. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's just the drums. I kind of like what the drums do. It's just a drum roll. Oh Couple yeah, drum rolls. Get, get some tom action. Yeah, and then you just get the and then a guitar solo. That's the big bad rock guitar of Glenn Campbell. Yeah, and there's like one second that's very similar to the Hurricanes solo. It's one eighteen in the Hurricanes and one thirty in this version, and it's like. A couple notes that sound very, very similar to me. Uh, if you don't mind cross-referencing. Yeah, okay, I hear yeah. that. It's the, like, bam, 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 like, kind of sound. Yeah, which I kind of go up on the guitar. So, I don't know what that means. It just means that they were playing I think that's, music in the yeah. early 60s. Yeah, I guess it does. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's kind of it. Um, later on the guitar part and the, like the, and the trumpet part, like are played right on top of each other, which actually I would expect that to happen more often. Yeah. Um, because it seems like, oh, these are like the two distinct parts. What if we put them together? Like it's not that big a jump. Glenn Campbell did it in 1965. Um, but so it's kind of neat, you know, uh, when you're trying to, like, add to that cacophony, especially now when it's divorced from the original context mm-hmm. of spy movie and you're just trying to make a song sound neat. Um, yeah, it's a pretty simple, like, A part, B part, A plus B equals the climax. Yeah. And on top, like, I don't have anything else. Basically, it fades out as well, which I think is a shame because compared to the last one, I feel like they could have really done a big ending. Yeah, and like he's clearly know. still still getting getting some riffing going on there, and been nice to see what the natural conclusion was on the tape. I agree. Yeah, like what? Sometimes, like, you know, sometimes songs fade out, but like a new section starts, and you're like, "That's not in the rest of the song. Why did you do that?" 
Yeah, you're like, what? How bad was it that you're like, we gotta cut that shit out? Stop it! Stop! Turn it down! Turn it down! <laughs> turn it down! They're gonna hear stop it. Stop the tapes. But it's still in the final release. Like, mm-hmm. what happened? And like, I don't know. That that always seems weird. So, yeah, clearly something else happened. But it's not in here, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Speaking of something else happening, uh, Barry Adamson in 1991. Yes. This so one's he, fun. In the, yeah, and this one's fun. In the late 70s, he was a bassist for the post-punk band Magazine. Um, he later went on to do solo work, um, some composing, some producing. He worked on the soundtrack for David Lynch's Lost Highway, amongst with some other things. And he also... The weird thing about him is this song is very, like, Jamaican and, like, you know, kind of reggae influence. but he was born and raised in England. Yeah. I'm just seeing that now, actually. I realized I never checked where he was actually born, and he was born in Manchester. Yeah. Um, but this is, like, reggae. And, like, it starts with, like, a story. Yeah, like, after the horns. It after does, the... Yeah, it does the octaves from the very end of the song, and then he's like, James Bond was a little boy from Kingstown. I have the whole thing transcribed here. please. Once upon a time in Kingston Town, there was a little boy named Bond. James Bond. James always had a thing about wanting to be a secret agent. He would sit in the classroom in school and daydream about all the missions he'd be sent on and all the different countries he could go spying in instead of listening to the teacher. After school, James would walk home and pretend to be calling HQ on the two-way radio he imagined he had hidden in the heel of his shoe, unbeknownst to anyone else, of course. At the end of the day, he would lay down on his bed, announce to himself that the mission had been accomplished, and before his mum yelled for him to put the light out, he'd dream of standing before Her Majesty the Queen, wryly proclaiming, in case there's trouble or we're under attack, have no fear, because Bond is black. (laughs) You said black at the end? He does say black at the end, which I think is fucking rad. That is funny. I had no... That is is wild. Um, I also missed the part where he imagined the two-way radio in his shoe, and I was like, who's on the other end of the line? Who's listening? Who's who's he talking to? What's the radio for? What's the radio for, Bond? Yeah, I guess we should mention this is called 007, a fantasy Bond theme is his title for this. That is true. So he like imagines <laughs> instead of James Bond, the British super spy, he imagines a, a like a young Jamaican boy who wants to be a secret agent. Which is, I mean, Bond is pretty fantasy spy, so mm-hmm. kind of cool, kind of kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah, and like, who didn't want to be James Bond as a kid? Like, I wasn't even a big Bond fan. Yeah, I barely like, knew yeah, who he, Bond he... was. I just wanted to be uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, I just want to be cool as fuck and have a nice car. <laughs> And drive on glaciers? Am I remembering yeah. that right? Oh yeah, with Halle Berry. Yeah. 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 So yeah, uh, this version. After like a minute of that, they get this. Li- they get some like like steel drum. There's like a steel drum fill. Mm-hmm. And then it's sort of got. It's got. A skank. It's got a skank. But it is not on a guitar. 
I don't think. Unless no. it's very muted. It's mostly like there's like a drum track and then like kind of sound like accenting yeah, like two a very and four. S- scratchy percussion. Yeah. And that's like the like beat underneath mm-hmm. everything. Because on top of that, they do the guitar. And they do everything else, basically. Yeah, and I think there's I think there might be a like a sort of low horn doing some of the skank there. Or that might be uh it might be keys or something. What is doing that boom, bam, bam, bam. It's very there's a lot of like low end, I will say that. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense. Um and let's see. Da, 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 da. Where am I? I should have put more timestamps. I started after this one, this version. Uh, Come on, Alex. Um, I will it, say that in the beginning, when, like during the narration, we start with a sort of like long synth sustain note, like a, mm-hmm. and then as he's talking, like uh, we uh, like slowly like these these sort of reggae sounding horns and rhythm come in. And it's weird because they're different from what actually plays in the the rest of the song. They're like much more bright and like kind of cheerful. But then, yeah, once you hit about the minute mark, just it changes with the uh, with the guitar riff coming in. Right. Yeah. You don't get a whole lot of horns after. Mm hmm. Like you do a bit. There's like kind of a bass thing going on, like a low saxophone. Yeah, um, but yeah, it sounds more. I don't know. I guess yeah, you're right. Bright. That's basically it. Yeah, it's like it's like very bright in the beginning, and then like the the guitar cuts in and sort of changes the atmosphere entirely. Yeah, and then they change kind of again because they do the the horn part, the big jump. Um, yeah, and then the drums change for that part too. Like it comes yeah. very, it goes to like the swung rhythm from the original, basically. Yeah, but that's, I don't even think played in that part. I'd have to double check. And you got like a really, I think there's a really low or like very distorted guitar doing some moving around in that section. Yeah, it goes down, down, down. It does a rundown. In yeah, there. that's there's just so much low end. Yeah, there's it's also, interesting because there's yeah. like less instruments than in the original. But like the the one horn that is playing is playing pretty loud and echoey. It's yeah, they really like, like a, fatten yeah. up that low end, and like there's also a bass mm-hmm. doing kind of like a walking thing, which honestly yeah. could have been happening in the original. I could not hear it. Yeah, it's it can barely hear bass in the original. It's it's definitely an old recording. Like yeah, it's early sixties, so not super modern um i gotta be on top of these notes yeah get on top of those notes i'm just like listening to it it's this version feels like kind of playful to me which is kind of more like the story of this kid who is james bond instead of a super spy who is james bond yeah we get like this because like that that section where we switch to the like swinging jazz rhythm it's just like one big horn having fun and like this guitar just kind of playing around it. Like it just feels like it's yeah. like a small like set of instruments playing very big rather than a big set of instruments playing very big. 
which maybe speaks more to the idea of imagination, where it's just, you know, like the small thing with a big idea. Yeah, I'll take it. All right. <laughs> and then we get, and like during the, uh, like the regular section, the, the, the rhythm section is very, like, it's still that bouncy kind of reggae style. It has, like, a light playfulness to it, even with the guitar riff overriding it to be a little darker. Yeah, it adds a bounciness to it that makes it feel very different. It doesn't mm-hmm. have that same tension. It has, it's still there. The chord progression is still there. Yeah. But, but the, the change in rhythm really changes how it feels. Yeah, it's sure. like it's still identifiably James Bond, but with just like a it's a bit of a different vibe to it. And then as we get to the end, these two horns, either like two competing horns just kind of start doing solo shit. Yes, there's a trumpet solo, but it's two trumpets, or they pan the trumpet back and forth. But it's probably two trumpets. Yeah. And that's kind of the end of the song. One might be a Yeah, because it seems... Yeah, it might be, because I think they're doing, like, a call and response. That doesn't sound like a saxophone. I changed my mind. Oh, that does. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a saxophone involved. Yeah, I think that's the one that plays in the right ear. It's in a little, little, like, higher up in the register. It's there. It's there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, play that out with the with the. It's got that that uh, three chord rhythm that. Well, the two, two uh, horns, the trumpet and the sax, kind of just take us out. And yeah, this is an interesting version. It it changes the way it feels and adds some pretty cool stuff, particularly in the like, kind of low end of it. Even with that guitar, that's not really like a rhythm. But it's mm-hmm. just kind of like mucky, low end, distorted thing, which is kind of a neat sound. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's a neat, neat little piece. Let's talk about uh, GoldenEye sixty four in nineteen ninety seven, Alec. <laughs> Sure, let's talk about GoldenEye 64 in 1997. So the movie GoldenEye came out in 1995, but Mm -hmm. the game didn't come out for two years, which is pretty wild. Um, It's made by Rare, Rareware, who's known for making some pretty kind of classic games on on the Nintendo 64. And this yeah, not only classic on games, but some classic soundtracks, too. Yes. This particular uh, soundtrack was worked on by... Where's my... Three composers. You got yeah, uh, Graham Norgate, Grant Kirkhope, and Robin Beanland. Yeah, who... I don't know if Robin Beanland worked on this particular... He said the wrote the elevator music and a lot of the sound effects, which I think okay, get used. Okay, so he was in more like a sound version. designer. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know much about Graham Norgate. Grant Kirkhope's pretty well known as a composer yeah. for working on like Donkey Kong sixty four and Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. Did he do the Donkey Kong Country games too? Uh, I, th- I think he worked. I think so. Yeah, because it wasn't a big deal when he... Because he came back for Donkey Kong Country Returns, didn't he? Uh, that's David Wise, I uh, believe. Okay, David Wise is the... Yeah. Uh, but 
here, Donkey Kong Land 2 conversion. See, David Wise definitely wrote uh, Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack. I'm not 100% right. and, sure and on he, and I think they worked Grant together Kirkhope at some converted point. converted it to the, uh, the Game Boy game. I'm just looking at his, uh, oh, okay. his music credits right now. Um, and Oh, man. And he performed live guitar on the Star Fox Adventures soundtrack. Ooh. Uh, let's see. Oh, Graham Norgate worked on Blast Core. Blast Core. Which I don't remember the soundtrack to. And Jet Force Gemini. Uh, Diddy Kong oh, yeah. Racing. Diddy Kong Racing. There you go. Um, so, yeah, these I don't know who specifically worked on the, the theme song for the game, but that's what we're covering here. It's, it's you know, it's your big, sweet, like, both. meaty file glory. Oh, it's yeah, it is so compressed, but I feel like that <laughs> compression just, it, like, just hits. It just punches so hard. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, it's got that arcade feel, like, you're here to play fucking Bond the video game, baby. Yeah, and, like, this song was one I heard pretty often as right. a young person. This was definitely my first exposure to this theme. I didn't know it was from anything but this game. Yeah. Like, I barely knew what James Bond was, but I knew that this was from the beginning of GoldenEye. And it comes in so hard, like... It comes in with the octaves, but it's like these compressed, like really quick, bam, bam, quick, bam, sharp. Bam. Yeah, like it really hits. Like I don't know how you do that, but like it's very, very quick. Yeah. And then just the low, but yeah, and it's all these like low quality, like MIDI samples, I guess. Yeah. So you get the yeah the low quality like synth. Yeah, playing this, that like, chord very like rock and roll drum beat. This yeah, absolutely. And then the guitar. Like I didn't even think of this. Like like I'd forgotten. It's just like this ripping, distorted electric guitar. Like playing yeah, the guitar like it's hard. <laughs> and like a lot of them try to sound like the sort of surf rock guitar. And this is not that at all. Yeah, it's no, this one's just like, Hey, what's up, buddy? It's the nineties. We love grunge. We sure do. <laughs> it's 1997. We are post grunge. We are distorted. This is a texture. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then around like 40 seconds, you get these, these fucking stings. But like even even before that, like this guitar part, yeah. um, it adds the like the trumpet jump, like as part of it, it goes the like like it's on the guitar, right? And then just like keeps going. Yeah, that's right. It just goes high and like rips it. So it's all this, then, yeah, like MIDI guitar, and a random drum effect, like in the section after that, this like. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I have that. Let's see. Um, it's like if you go to like thirty-seven seconds. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> okay, I missed that. So there's like yeah, there's like those high sharp notes, and then somebody like like almost rolling their fingers on a drum or something like a hand drum. Is oh, is that the really low? It's like very like wide, echoey, like almost yeah like it to me of. didn't even sound like a roll like it just sounded like one echo you know what i'm saying that sound 
I don't know. I feel like that sound happened in the game. That sound is so like stuck in my mind. Right. And, like, it's just like thinking a, it's of an like in-game cue of the level design in this game. Like just like the concrete and like a metal buildings you know yeah it's like a like a harsh version for the sort of harsh graphics of the era right yeah and like and even for like that like even for the era like the the setting was so harsh i mean it's it's all like in russia and everything is like i said like concrete and and metal yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like i feel like that echo Somehow, just that echo is so, like, we're in an underground giant, like, concrete facility, and someone made right. a sound, and everything sounds like that, because that's where we are. <laughs> yeah, and then at uh, your, like, 50-second mark, we get this, like, very, like, weird synth. It's like a, it like, sounds strange, you know? It's like, <laughs> hey, question. Yes. Is this industrial? Um, like, are these drums like industrial music? I don't listen to industrial music. I don't listen to industrial music. But it's very like all the drums are like echoey and. Anyway, I tell you this draws on harsh, transgressive, or provocative sounds and themes. Like you could make an argument for it. It's definitely harsh. There's definitely harshness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then that synthesizer plays the which is itself. They've played around with the timing a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very similar to the trumpet riff, and we know they're not screwing it up because it's like, it's MIDI. Yeah. You can mess around with the timing, probably. Um, and. Sounds yeah, cool. like this, this theme manages to, to have like the dynamics of the original, but in a way that suits a, like a video game environment. Yeah, it's more like on the one hand, I think I don't know. I haven't seen Goldmine. I think it was a little more actiony than some yeah, of the previous that's very ones. Possible. Um, I'm just looking at the album or not album, the video game box art. Um, there's some pretty big explosions and a helicopter with an explosion. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a, I'm making assumptions. Um, and then there's but the, on top the of that, they've turned it into mouth. a first. Oh, sorry. Oh, yes. Sorry. The... <laughs> that, uh, that like follows into his fingers there. That that makes it look like, like his mouth is mouth. extended. Yeah, that's quite a look. Um, and they've taken like, a sp- I mean, what is theoretically anyway a spy movie and turn it into like a shooter like they're you're shooting you're shooting guys with guns yeah um, it's like more of an action game so i feel like this adaptation of the theme song reflects that pretty well yeah so like, what if we put that. this guitar in instead and of it that builds guitar? into this big chaotic finish with like everything coming together and then you know it hits the the classic uh octave notes and repeats yeah those octaves just hit so hard yeah this one is like punching from start to finish uh yeah so this brings back memories um for me oh yeah and for most people in the comments people are like oh man this is the good shit. Or they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. when you heard this song at a family gathering back in the day, you knew shit was about to go down. Ugh. 
you knew that someone was going to say slappers only and everyone's going to say no. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds like every time I've played James Bond, Goldeneye. <laughs> and uh, no, you know what's fun? Proximity mines. Mm. Because you can't always see them and then you explode. That's fun. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, this one I wasn't expecting much going in, but then like it actually kind of slaps. It's one of the more daring versions, I think. Yeah, I mean, Rare had a pretty good track record with soundtracks in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So that's what this came out of. Like they had yeah. some really strong composers and arrangers. So it's good shit, man. It's good shit. Moving on to it's the other 97 good. hit, we got uh, uh, Moby. Moby. So Moby, Moby. is an artist. I mean, the first time I heard about Moby was from that one episode of How I Met Your Mother that they're in a limo and they're drunk mm-hmm. and they meet a guy who's bald and they're like, Hey, Moby, but he's not actually Moby. He's JP Manu, which is uh. an actor's name. Um, which I looked him up too. He's the voice of, uh, Cusco in the TV series, the, TV the emperor's series new for school. The emperor's new oh, uh, the new school. <laughs> Cause David Spade didn't come back for that. Weird. So, although I think they got John Goodman. Ah, and uh, fucking shit, and fucking shit, fucking shit. Uh, what's his name? Patrick uh, Patrick Warburton. Patrick Warburton. That's a yeah. that dude. I feel like does anything though. He's got a pretty spotty record when it comes to like actual good projects. He, he sounds good, but he doesn't always do the best stuff. Yeah, not, not that he's not good in those things necessarily. I'm not judging Patrick Warburton, but the projects he's involved in have not all been amazing. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just me. Maybe and that's you. just you. So uh, this is called Moby's re re reversion. Is that correct? Fucking. Which who is says a, it isn't? A word play on revision. Reversion. Version. It was 1997. Yeah, we hadn't is, invented uh, comedy yet. This. Yeah. Exactly. We're still waiting on that. Um. This is like if uh, Mission Impossible and James Bond had a baby. Like the two themes. <laughs> Uh, what did with, with, with Will maybe said, a little Darude sandstorm? Will in there. said the beginning reminded him of the Matrix. Okay, yeah. Um, so there's a little bit of that. It's kind of got this like kind of you know. Yeah, so it starts out with like straight up piano for the the rhythm chords there. That. But not for very long. Yeah, it starts with kind of like low just, piano. Just enough for us to get the 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 uh you know the pole line. He says Bond. James Bond. Right, they do use voice clips from the movies. Yeah. And then, yeah, is that did it, 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 that like electronica build yes. up with whatever sort of uh, synth he's yeah. got there. The synth's kind of neat because it like evolves over the course. It's not like super out there in terms of the sounds it uses, but it does change and kind of like the filter opens up and closes again, and like you can kind of hear it moving around, which is something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It was. It was something. It's. Uh. And then it comes to. It gets the guitar riff in pretty quick, right? Yep. And do they? Is it adding more notes in the guitar line? 
I didn't notice. It's just a little echoey. I think it's just a little echoey. I think it is a little echoey. And then there's another guitar that does this like... Yeah. Know what I'm talking about? That happens a couple times. See, I don't know if they're actually referencing it. This like... But there's this... The Wicca Wicca guitar. I call it a Wicca Wicca guitar. Because it does a Wicca sound. Um, That sound gets used in Diamonds Are Forever. So I don't Mm. know if this is supposed to be quoting that or referencing that. Right. Um, Maybe. When did Diamonds Are Forever come out? Much before this. Much before. Much, okay. Much, well, that. yeah. It was like it was one of the Shirley Bassey ones, so it was definitely before 97. Right. I think it was one of the okay. earlier ones. Uh, but uh, I So I don't know if that's actually a reference, because it's like a common enough sound, but that does get used in Diamonds Are Forever. Right. I think. I shouldn't add, I think, on the end. I'm like 99% sure. I just forgot to double check sure. before we recorded. Yeah, it does have that that wicka wicka guitar, that kind of thing. Um, and this one has this one's got like a big bridge section in it. Yeah, which right is at, at was what the, I called uh, the bridge, right? Yeah. So the nineteen section there, it uses this <laughs> like I think it's pad synth to kind of like replicate strings. Yes, and then suddenly, okay, I see. So. They do a dan dan like part. Yeah. And then they yeah, they get into that part with the they they do some octaves before that, don't they? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, but he doesn't play the lower part. Okay. No. Sorry, I wanted to mention that because that's kind of his one of his big changes, which is not that big. Um is takes out the lower part of the octaves, so it's just like dan it Yeah, that's right. But you have that your 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 scratchy guitar at the bottom there. Ooh, you sure do. Ah, sorry, I moved my leg. It was getting a little sore. And, and then I said, uh, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, ah. we get to, uh, at the at the two oh seven mark. Well, I, like as this as this bridge goes, like it slowly builds in more things. You get the the scratchy kind of funky guitar coming back, and like I think he's trying to yeah, and, like, hit this beeping. line. Between like being funky and hip, while also being like kind of classic, because like the uh, the horn uh, sting in the original is replaced by like a beep. It's just like beep, beep, beep. Yeah, beep. Which does like it, you mentioned or I mentioned the Matrix? So yeah. I don't know if that's Matrixy necessarily, but it's definitely like digital, like mechanical. Yeah technological that 90s sounding. kind of digital where we're yeah. like, oh, the future is like button the f- noises the future is beeps and leds well yeah you're not totally wrong but not totally wrong and then at uh like 207 we get like a sort of almost like 90s hip-hop breakdown yes there's that part where and is playing like the clip from i don't know which bond movie but it's like a classic line yeah um, do you expect me to talk no mr bond i expect you to die Classic, good Do you shit. Think Bond felt like a fucking idiot when when he got that answer back. He's like, He's like oh, I should have known. <laughs> of course, actually, I like I've heard this line before. I didn't realize it was actually from a Bond movie. I thought it was just like a joke. Cause it is kind of funny, it, right? It's like, a funny line. <laughs> um, and then it just kind of gets to like, yeah, it's got the like beat going, 
So this is the like yeah. break to dance in. Mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. I guess. It's just like, and then we you know we get some horns and stuff. It's very like it's it was this kind of like it was trying to be big in an electronic fashion. Yeah, and I mean I guess Moby's a big deal in like electronic dance music or dance yeah. music. Uh but I don't know much about him. It's just I think I feel like this song has that sort of like futurist outlook where it's like we've built electronica to replace the the uh, old instruments. Check this out. We can make a big band grandeur piece with electronica instead of you know, an orchestra. Yeah, and then you throw some uh, samples in. Yeah, you're like, uh, try try seeing this at your local orchestra, and they're like, oh, shit, oh, oh Moby. No one talks to the orchestra. It's just, I feel like it is a, it was a piece built to be kind of cutting edge, and it, in the way that many cutting edge things, when viewed in hindsight, just kind of look dumb. Right. That's the it, kind of feeling I get from this. It definitely seems to be of its time. I guess we could say the same thing about the N64 one, but I like that one way better. Mm-hmm. But I'm and not biased something... at all about that. There's no reason. Yeah, I guess, there would but there's be a something bias. about the restraints of that version because you know you can only push N64 sound chips so fucking hard. Right. It sounds like Fritz from the 90s because they literally made it on a piece of technology that like was made at that time. Like there's nothing else they could do. Mm-hmm. It was of its time by necessity versus being of its time by sounding like the sort of old idea of what the future might be. Yeah. It's like it's the difference between a Daniel Johnston recording and, and somebody with like expensive equipment covering Daniel Johnston, you know? Ah, it misses out know. on there's a difference. There's like a there's a core like the intangible that's missing. Yeah, and like it's fine as a dance track, and it's using it's drawing from good music. Yeah, and it is interesting. There's a lot going on, and it's still recognizably Bond while being different. But you just think it's aged itself a bit. Yeah, I think it is just aged. I think it is just like a, it is a relic, and not necessarily for the worse, but just simply it is. Of the distant past of 1997, which is actually yeah. becoming more and more distant past every second. Every fucking second. But, like, it held my interest the whole time, and it's one of the... It's, yeah, I mean, it's not really one of the longer versions, yeah. but... No, it is not. Um, but we'll get there. We'll get to we'll the get longer there. versions. We will. Uh, but for now, we're going to go to Reverend Organ Drum in 2008. <laughs> organ drum oh it is yes. too see i read it wrong i read it or grandum which Come i on, think buddy. would also be kind of cool i yeah, didn't think it meant enough. anything i don't know i didn't read it apparently <laughs> i searched so a- it somehow <laughs> well you know google kind of you know calculates for spelling errors and shit yeah uh um, so this is yeah. apparently led by jim health who also Jim goes Heath. by Reverend Come on, man. <laughs> oh, well, see, I wrote an L. I, I typoed that one. Um, who goes by Reverend Horton Heat? Heat? It's not Heath, is it? Um, no, yeah, it's uh, Horton Heat. Um, and you, you got that right. <laughs> and some other guys. Apparently, they are an organ trio. That pays yeah, which doesn't seem to check out to me. <laughs> yeah, because there's clearly more than organ in this. And they only have mm. the one album, so. Yeah. 
I don't know, man. The article that I read about them from 2008 seemed to yeah, be really Yeah, on that Jazz Magazine website? Yeah. yeah. On Jazz Times um, by Steve Greenlee. Jazz Times. So thanks for existing, uh, this article, because this is the most information I could find about them. He yeah, seemed to be too. really into them. He's like, hopefully this continues, and it did not continue. So <sighs> maybe they do live stuff. I don't know, but sorry, Steve. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, maybe uh, Horton Heath or whatever. Horton Heat, Reverend Horton Heat still still plays. I have no uh, idea. It looks like it, or at least they did up to 2018. That was when their last album came out. Mm. So this one does the thing that's pretty common, uh, starting with the octaves. Yeah. Da-da-da. And it's a good way to draw people in. Yeah. It's a very they high They accent it with start. the drums a little, too. So it's... Yes, and then they go into the chord progression. Because you got to do the chord progression. Yeah. That's the best part. And yeah, that's, I think that's, they're that's going a little the... faster. Yeah, this does seem to be a faster version. Um, the other thing about the, the chord progression, the harmonies, they, that is, there's organ and there's um, guitar playing for that. They're, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of this song is kind of organ and guitar just doubling each other or playing the same Yeah. Thing. Yeah, particularly in the in the like the big band section that Yeah, this is one of the few versions that actually brings that triplet percussion back. Yeah. Um and also, like when the way the guitar is being played, it's like strumming fairly slowly. That's always fun when it kind of like separates the notes in the chord. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I don't know. It's a cool sound. Does it mean something here? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's this is just like a... yeah. Sometimes I go back and try to like analyze what I wrote. I'm like, I wrote this like saying like this is what happened. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the words for it. Um. But I can't. Um, but, like, what does it mean? And sometimes I think of it ahead of time. But not always. Um, not and always. sometimes it doesn't really mean anything. So it doesn't matter anyway. Uh, yeah. Ain't that the truth, Alex? Um, this anyway. one is, uh, it's just like a kind of stripped-down version of the original. You got to kind of, the guitar is pretty crunchy. I wouldn't exactly call it distorted, but it's got a bit of, uh, you know, it's got a bit of an edge to it. Yeah, it's kind of got like a wavering thing going. Like you can hear it. Yeah, and they do a good job of hitting that sort of swing section with the rhythm. Like they they have some good dynamics in this piece. They know how to move back and forth between the parts to generate a bit of interest. Uh, yeah, there's they seem to be playing fairly well together or whatever. Yeah, a two minutes a guy goes yep. Two minutes a guy goes yep. Yep. Uh, cool. Um, hang on. There's another. Oh right. Um, one of the ways I think they like make it feel a little bit bigger. Um, mm-hmm. there's the trumpet part. Once they get into that, they're like da na da na. Most of that is led by the organ. Um, yeah. And then the drums kind of go into the like the swung version instead. Um, the guitar plays as well, and it kind of matches it for some of it, and then it will 
go back to play like the progression for a bit or play some other notes and then it will join again so it's kind of that got that like weaving in and out feeling that Mm -hmm. i like usually in arrangements and i like it here too right um that where you kind of yeah like sometimes they're working together sometimes it's doing other stuff it it, it's got that like i think you said dynamic Mm-hmm. You said dynamic, right? We say dynamic a yeah. lot here. We say dynamic uh, a but lot. But you said dynamic about this song specifically. And I think that's yes. definitely part of it is is that particular, I guess, arranging technique of like sometimes matching and sometimes playing another part. Yeah. And they actually do the, the original finish. Which you think would come up more because it's a cool ending. Yeah, it's fucking groovy. Um. Because that chord is like, I don't know, that chord's so crunchy and just fit fitting, you know? Yeah, it's just like a good, like, finish on this piece. And, uh, yeah, that's like, I, honestly, the Reverend Organ Drum version is like a better version of Johnny and the Hurricanes. <laughs> yeah, they seem to be doing something similar other than the rhythm thing. But that's just yeah. kind of part of it being more modern and like a 4-4 rock beat is not interesting anymore. That's right. If it ever was, I guess it was. It was. It seems wild, but I guess it must have been. Well, yeah, because sometimes by by simplifying things, you 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 know you draw True. a different kind True. of interest. True. I will grant you that. I have been granted that. Thank you. Thank you for this grant. Um, <sighs> speaking of things that rhyme with grants, we're gonna talk about Daniel Lance trio in 2012 <laughs> um yeah so i assume there's three guys here yeah they're from Uppsala, sweden Swedish i'm, I'm guys. assuming i'm pronouncing it. it could be Uppsala. Uh, Daniel Lance is the pianist. Uh, the trio started out as a corporate events band, but now they, they do other shit. They kind of, you know, they hang out with mm. other Swedish musicians and do Swedish shit. Swede. So we got about, like, a, <laughs> this thing is about... <laughs> this <laughs> like, is 640. Scamp. This is 640. Roughly one minute and 40 seconds of that, I would say, is James Bond theme. Sorry, I blow my nose. Okay, I thought you just fucking snorted a line. <laughs> Let's talk about Daniel Lance. Let's talk about Daniel Lance trio. This is the craziest shit. No, it's not the craziest shit. This, honestly, boring. Too long. There's a <laughs> lot of stuff. Basically, like, they're, they're, a p- they're piano. There's a saxophone that plays the guitar part. And then, like, the piano does the trumpet. But then the saxophone plays. They do the little jump. And then, like... They do like they do the thing. They do it, but it's like jazzier. In the terms yeah, it's of just like, like, what if the original was more jazzy? But not even just jazzy, because the original was jazzy. But this yeah, is but like, like more yeah. boring jazz. Yeah, like lounge jazz. Yeah, this is not. I I don't even dislike this style of music necessarily, but I feel like this is not the best example of that. Like it, I don't know. They so they play it. And then they go into the solos, and then it's just solos, and the solos don't even match the feeling yeah, all that much. Like, it's just, we did a solo. It was great. Yeah, they just do jazz solos, and the, the, the solos start at a minute and 20 seconds, 
they finish at 5.39. And it's like two solos. Yeah. And it's just like, like, like you're saying, there is no like attaching line between the solos they are playing and the James Bond theme. And like maybe if you're super into jazz, you could identify one. But me as a mm-hmm. casual listener, nothing. There's nothing for me here. Yeah, there's no, like, because, like, a lot of people, when they do solos in this kind of context, will include, like, a phrase from, like, the like the original riff or something that they'll kind of repeat <laughs> and stretch and change. Yeah, and I always thought, the solo. like, I mean, I think a lot of jazz does that. Mm-hmm. And maybe they are, but I'm, and maybe they're, like I said, maybe there's a connection that I just don't see, but I don't think that, I'm not going to give it points for that. Like... <laughs> No, I think it's a cheap trick to use a popular song as a springboard to just solo for fucking five minutes. Yeah, and I don't even think the solos are that good. No, they're fucking boring. They're whatever, man. Again, neither of us are jazz connoisseurs, so maybe this is spectacular form, but I'm not impressed by it. I doubt that. I honestly doubt it. It feels like very old-fashioned to me Mm -hmm. and just kind of... It's not very interesting. Like Yeah, it seems like a corporate event band doing jazz. Perfect analogy. How where did you get that from? Uh, where did I get that? It's, I just pull these things. You know, they come to just, me. I'm just, just I, I am just I'm one with the universe. I That's right. It is given to me by a, pow- a higher power. A higher power. Exactly. It's just it's yeah, it's fucking divorced from the original song. The what they give us that's new is not interesting. Nope. And it's it's not cool. It does. It's not cool. If this played in a James Bond movie when James Bond got introduced, I'd leave the fucking theater. And be like, this fucking James Bond sucks. I know who this guy is. Why are we still here? Like, yeah. Like, stop <laughs> playing the song. Like, maybe in the Just background like, of some scene where he's in like a lounge. Like, you're not listening to the music. Mm-hmm. Jazz is just happening, and that's what this is. It's not. Doesn't hold your attention. It happens in the background. Yeah. It's not even like dark, mysterious jazz. It's just fucking jazz. Yeah, they didn't even... Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't have had to have given it that attitude or that feeling. But, like, yeah, they could have given it something, and it doesn't. Yeah, give us something that connects to the original, either in the notes being played, in the tone of the music. Like, something. Like, it's not a big ask, and I feel like they dropped the ball on it in every way possible. Yeah, and then they play the they play it again at the end. Yeah, and they do like a chord at the end, like, but I mean it's it's not really the spy chord. It doesn't yeah, it's really just have a jazz that. finish. Yeah, it's just like more than it is like spy chord. I don't know what it is. Some jazz chord. It sounds kind of nice. Yeah, and they do, worth noting that with the octaves, they do really stretch out the space between the high and the low. It's dan it. Yeah, just adding that little bit extra time. And that can be a pretty good technique for creating some, like, anticipation of, like, especially something like this where you expect it. Like, it's well-known enough that a Mm. lot of people listening are going to know what the timing should be. And you change it. That's mysterious, but, yeah. For what? For what? Yeah, for, like, if they had weaved in more playful tricks like that, you know, gone from a solo, weaved back into the main riffs, come back. Like, it just needs... I, I, I hate to use the word again. It needs dynamics. <laughs> dynamics, man. 
It needs, That's what it's all know. about, baby. I don't even care if it has dynamics. It needs something. Maybe dynamics. It needs yeah. something. Like, it, all it right. needs work. Yeah, I'm done with this weak sauce jazz. Fuck yeah. Let's talk about the Melbourne Ska Orchestra. Founded in 2003, this band performs with anywhere from 18 to 36 members. It's led and directed by Nikki Bomba of the uh, John Butler Trio, as well as Bomba and some group called Bustamento. Bustamento. That's a fun name. It's like a it's like a memento you keep after you bust a nut. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's my Bustamento. Back the first time I came. It's. It's a used condom. It's disgusting. It's it's gross. Um, but I got it framed. I like to keep it on the wall. Oof. That I'm sure that smells nice. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're like you know. No, no, no. You know when the Beatles would like more of this? Is there more of this? They did. Maybe frame just a piece of chicken instead if you wanna. That's both pretty bad. I feel like the chicken. If you get the chicken for like McDonald's, a lot of preservatives, yeah, it'll it'll be a lot better. Both bad, but one visually, <laughs> I feel like if you have guests over. Oh my god! Yeah, they're like, is like, that a is condom that framed on the wall? It, frame used condom. Uh, like, yeah, what? You don't keep bustamentos around? <laughs> like, yeah, I usually just steal a sock or something. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. That was a bad riff, and I'm keeping it in the thing, but... <laughs> but here so yeah, we are. toured internationally. They're, uh, I, I would say that's a relatively small size for an orchestra, 18 to 36. Does that sound about right to you, Alex? For an orchestra? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a lot of people in a room. It is a lot of people. Um, it's bigger than a big band. It's true. How much would we usually be in an orchestra, though? I'd say a small orchestra. Like band size, basically. Yeah. So uh, this one definitely a skank on the track, am I right? Oh yeah, when like not at the start, like it starts with octaves because that's what you do. Yeah. It does the like um, the harmony, the progression, and then yeah. there's like right before they transition into the guitar part, there's like this kind of jangly guitar playing. Yeah, this ding 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 ding, you know, adds a little mystery in there. And then drum fill into the guitar part and. Then there's a skank. Like a very then clear we're skanking. Skank. Baby, we're skanking. Sorry, I'm just skanking over here. Um, yeah, you skank out, my man. Skanking um, along. And yeah, so that other guitar that was <clears throat> doing the uh, the jangle parts kind of comes in and out throughout the track. Yeah. Um, also, like the drums are that are playing along. Mm-hmm. It's pretty straight. Four four, but yeah. it also like they add some like more hits in every once in a while. Give yeah, and they'll do a little fills like once after the first minute once they start doing the uh, the big band kind of section the dan 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 like the drums start going in a little more they're like dun, 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 dun. and they kind of start to join. Yeah, and there's like a one main horn riff and sort of other horn groups that play off of it. Yeah, they kind of like build up and then they play. Yeah, their thing. Sorry. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, and these ones are the, the toughest to talk about. These fucking instrumental covers, like I know, mm-hmm. and it's all instrumental anyway. It's um, all instrumental. And they also uh, the breath's pretty restrained. I thought. Um, hmm. And oh, also like they play the trumpet riff a couple times, but it's like I think it's saxophone one time and then trumpet the next time. And you didn't say that already, yeah. did you? No, I didn't. Okay, good. Sometimes I zone out and I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> So and then they do the uh the bridge from the original the and then the octaves again but in in their original context and from there we move at the 138 part right into a uh, guitar solo but is it a good guitar solo um it's very sparse and it pulls on the ideas of kind of surf rock from the original I don't know if I'm crazy about it. I don't know if I hate it. Um, I think it fits pretty good. Like compared to some of the other guitar solos, it keeps that kind of mysterious feeling. Yeah. And it's, it's like really low and bassy. And like they do these, yeah. they do a lot of these like bends and stuff on the strings. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty decent. Yeah, I'll allow it. And, and like you said, it's pretty sparse. Um, and they're skanking along with it, so you can kind of, you can bob your head along if you want. Yeah, so, so it keeps like a base level of energy. Yeah. The solo didn't blow me away or anything, but I thought it was yeah. reasonably well executed. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's like fine. And like, compared to some, compared to the solos in the last one, it actually fits the tone. So mm-hmm. that's, that's nice. Yeah, and it's uh like yeah, it manages to fit the tone and so it's even when it is not playing James Bond notes, it is recognizably like James Bond themed. Yeah, as opposed to like, hey, someone's playing jazz, I guess. Yeah. I I'll do something else. Cuz it wasn't very good. I, it wasn't very good. Yeah, so then anyway. you know, they just kind of they do some build-ups, they play the the segments again. Um there's some low key fills on the drums. There's a little bit of texture with the two guitars they have. And we do do the actual original finish. And there's one sound I really liked. Mm-hmm. It's like at the 240 mark. This is woo. Yeah, like a like a string slide kind of noise. That's the one. It's got to be something big though. Like it doesn't sound like a guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then yeah, then the horns come back in, and the saxophones and the trumpets are going back and forth, and yeah, they actually do that. And they do horns instead of the guitar, which I mean is it's okay. It's the I like the 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 guitar chord at the finish is really like it's a good touch. Yeah, it's kind of neat the way they finish it. I I kind of like it because. Mm-hmm. It start like the guitar does play it, but it's strumming like one string at a time, doing it slowly. And then as mm. it does that, the horns do their kind of like uh, swell or like right. So like yeah. you get kind of both of those. I thought that was a right. Neat so you get the mystery and the big. Yeah, yeah. I'm just hearing that now. Yeah, so I thought right that on. was cool. Yeah, respectable cover from the ska orchestra. Yeah. With that, we're going to move into our final verdict. We got three categories today. We've got the worst version, the best version, 
and the one most suited for Foreigner's concept album, Agent Provocateur. Hmm. Spy concept album. All right. All right. Um, so Alex, hit me with it. What's the worst version of this, and why is it the Daniel Lance trio? <laughs> because the Daniel Lance trio version was not very good. It was bad, man. It was it was kind of uninteresting jazz music. It was an uninteresting jazz music version of this song, bookending a whole bunch of uninteresting jazz soloing. I don't know what else there is to say about it. We've said so much. We spent way too much long on that version <laughs> already. because yeah, it upset us. So it's Too long. And, you know, I throw these big, meaty jazz pieces on from time to time because I'm like, one of these has to do it right. And some, they've been good ones. And some of them have been fine, yeah. Some of them have been pretty good, but, like... This was this is what not to do. Yeah, this is I'm very concerned. much not what, what not to do. Yeah, so it's, I'm it's unanimous. It's the worst version of this. Um, Alex, what's the best version? What is the best version? Okay. Heavily, heavily biased. There were some good arrangements here. Um, mm-hmm. Barry Adam, Adamson. Sorry, it's Adamson. cut off here. Barry Adamson. A lot of fun. Like that version. I thought the Melbourne. I like saying Melbourne because apparently that's. Yeah. Melbourne. Uh, ska yeah. Orchestra. Um, also pretty good version uh, with that ska. So the 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 reggae version and the ska version both solid um some tight versions from some of the other guys but i mean how can i not give it to the the golden eye version yeah. i don't know i just i love it so much and i get it's there's so much history there i can't i can't not it's got to be that one yeah that, that one's kind of a surprise hit for me because i don't really have that same level of nostalgia but the the sounds they managed to get out of this fucking <laughs> N64 sound chip really kind of fucking slap. Like, yeah. it is a very cool version of it. Yeah, I mean, you always hear a story. I don't have a story about this one, but, like, listening to... St- oh, that's interesting. Listening to stories about um, just, like, the things they did back then to make the hardware and software work the way they wanted it to. Like, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened in this one. Maybe it didn't. But these are definitely guys sort of crafted by that era of, like, you got to put all this effort in just to make it kind of work the way you want it to. And right. they they killed this one. Yeah, they I think they knocked it. this one out of the park. Um, yeah, I, I, I hate to be agreeing with you again. <laughs> I really did like the Barry Adamson version just because it was kind of bonkers. <laughs> It's a good version. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, a good, good version. version. You know what? I'm going to give it to Barry Adamson just, Spread just to be different. Spread it out a little bit. Both very Spread good. Spread the love. Yeah. Both very good. Um, Alex, which version of this? I'll also alter this category to make it easier. Either Best Suits Foreigner's Concept Album, Agent Provocateur, or would be the music that would play in the background while you were doing some spy shit. Ooh. Which one would play in the back? I feel like um, as much as I like the GoldenEye one, Probably not good for spy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as good. Um, <laughs> uh, the one that would play in the background while I was doing spy shit is probably the Johnny and the Hurricanes version because there would be me getting just comically beat up and like <laughs> ba- Batman style. Batman 1960s <laughs> style. It would be yeah. just like 
horrible like slapstick mishaps all day long yeah it would be comedic in this this like kind of like sloppy organ playing <laughs> yes i was gonna say the same fucking thing but since <laughs> you you've taken that um That's i'm gonna say joke. the moby version i said it first what did you say what version i'm gonna do moby because you know moby. it's a little i feel like the theme's a little self-important and uh is trying too hard which i think defines me pretty well when i do anything all right sounds good but which one would be good. an agent provocateur um, easy. It's, uh, Daniel. No, it's <laughs> probably still Moby. <laughs> probably still Moby. <sighs> the question you have to ask yourself is which one of these was delivered by God? Which one was delivered by God? We'll leave that up to you. We'll leave that up to you. No, you know what? I think it would be the, oh, the Reverend Organ Drum version. It's got Reverend in it's the got title. Reverend in the title. Obvious. I guess that's gotta be it. Yeah. Uh, or possibly Barry Adamson because it has a story within it. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not going to analyze it, but that makes sense. That is, that's the best I got for you. That's been our main segment. Uh, be sure to follow us and stuff. Let me try this again. <laughs> if you have a similar opinion, different opinion, or want to talk about a version of the song we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, or at some Alex Wise guy. Or you can send us an email at covermepod at gmail.com. You can send us comments, questions, concerns. Um, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Whatever podcast thing you subscribe to us on, if they have a review thing, give us a review. Hit us with the five stars. We put a lot of work into this. And then just put all the constructive criticism in the words. We'll read it and go like, oh, hey, maybe that's a good idea. Or we'll, be like, we'll read them out on air and call you a fucking idiot or something if we think your ideas are dumb. You know, roll the dice. Uh, we're also on Spotify, Stitcher, you know, your favorite podcasting apps. Follow us. Tell your friends about us. We're going to jump into our bonus segment now in which I'm going to ask Alex a question, and he is going to answer it. Um, Alex. Yo. I was going to ask you what your favorite Bond film is, but it seems like you haven't seen a lot of favorite them. Favorite Bond like films myself. Casino Royale because it's the only Bond film I've seen. Hey, there you go. So what's what about, like, your favorite spy film? Also, my favorite Bond film would be Quantum of Solace because it's the only one I've seen. I'm, I really didn't even like it. <laughs> um, trying to remember what spy movies I've seen now. Can I say Metal Gear Solid 3? Sure, it's mostly a movie. Um, that's probably it, honestly. Like, really? Like, what else? You're not a, what other you're spy not an movies Austin have Powers I seen? Fan? Uh, I've only seen Austin Powers 2. I liked it. Okay. For some reason, I haven't watched the other ones. Don't know why. Um... Mm. I've seen Mission Impossible 5. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all right. What about Kingsman? The, the I never Secret watched, Circle. I didn't watch the, the, the Secret Service. The Golden Circle, That's I think, is the sequel, other one. sequel, yeah. Um, yeah. I've just Googled spy movies, so I'm, oh, I'm, I'm working through I that. did watch Johnny English. Johnny English. Uh, that is, um, is that, Rowan uh, Atkinson. Like Mr. Yeah. yeah, 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 Mr. B. Um, and I have seen the Get Smart movie with Steve Carell. Right, I was, I was just going to ask and about the that. And The Rock. I liked that one. That was pretty good. Yeah. I or liked I, I liked so it. I, I don't know if it was any good. I liked it when I watched it. When yeah, I, was, like, I liked it. Um, what about... Um, uh, no, that's pretty much all I got for spy movies. I like Kingsman. Yeah. That was a spy film. I'm still saying Middle Gear Solid 3. That's a good, a good, good call. Um, 
but what about this movie? Uh, 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 mm, uh, 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 fucking. We gotta watch some spy in. movies, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Apparently, that's <laughs> something we're missing. What about Captain America: The Winter Soldier? That has been called a spy thriller, but I don't know why because I haven't seen enough spy movies. Uh, yeah, I've never. I know I've never been thrilled in my so... life. What about yeah. Jack Reacher or its sequel, Jack Reacher Never Go Back? I didn't see Jack Reacher either. Neither did I. It's on TV sometimes. What about, Alex, what about the uh, the hit spy thriller film, Cars 2? Seriously? I'm just reading this off Wikipedia, <laughs> baby. Cars 2? I only saw Cars 1. Cars 2. But I also saw Doc Hollywood, so. Alex, here's the real question. Which Spy Kids movie is the best? Oh, shit. Spy Kids 2. Yeah. That's probably it. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the original more. I, I think. don't even remember. The original's got floops, fooglies in it or whatever. It does. What's in the sequel? And then they Some go like, round thing. Floop is a madman. Help us. Save yes, us. Yes, I liked them all. I loved them all equally, I'm sure. Yeah. So to say one is better than the other, based on my memory of them, is impossible. Is impossible. This is fucked. They're listing Agent Cody Banks as a spy. I have movie, seen Agent I, Cody Banks as well. I, do not see Spy Kids. Oh, Spy Kids is listed in the series okay. section. Okay, so I, I I haven't watched a spy movie since I was pretty young. So most of my spy movie experience is like children's movies. Right. <laughs> or I guess family movies, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, family movies. All right, so we're going to watch, I don't know, what spy movies are there? James Bond, kind of? James Bond. Um, yeah, we'll try Bridge to watch of a spies? James Bond film. Is that a spy movie? That is apparently a spy Spies movie. is in the name. It's in the name. I remember. It's about the bridge. that's pretty good. Uh, all right, let's check out some. Let's check out some espionage action. Yeah, if you guys have some some espionage, please recommend things to us. We don't know what we're doing. We yeah, we're fucking lost here. Uh, hashtag, I spy. With uh the letter I or or the word I. Um, let's do the word I. Okay. That better not be a thing already. Uh, hashtag spyver me. Sure. Okay. Yep. I'm... And as we always say, that was the bonus segment. Share a spy movie with us. Hashtag spyver me. Uh, no, I spy. Hashtag I spy or hashtag spyver me. Whichever you prefer. Um, and as we always say on Cover Me, the name of the podcast is me. Cover me. Yeah, I use that same joke in the intro. Fuck you guys. I don't Still care. Still a good joke. 